Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Some days when you walk in the door, you know that three hours is not enough. Today qualifies as one of those days. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Super Talk TV, and of course, on your Super Talk Mississippi radio stations. I'm Richard Cross. Those two fellas, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, we're all coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. You still got Monday Night Football tonight. You want to get in on a little action this weekend? Well, you can, uh, you can do that at the Golden Moon. Check out the sports book there. Thanks for being with us. We're going to get to the uh, to the Blitz in just a second. You can be a part of the conversation on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. That's the number if you want to be a part of the conversation. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire and C Spire Business. Visit cspirebusiness.com. There is anger, there is angst, there is indifference, there is happiness, there is sadness, and there's a whole lot of pearl clutching all going on as it pertains to John Cohen leaving Mississippi State to go be the athletics director at Auburn. We're going to get into that, but we're not going to disrupt everything on Monday because of that. So, 30 seconds or less, Michael Borky, thought on the weekend that was... Oh, uh, what? <laughs> what happened? My gosh. I mean, it's, you know, there were actual football games that were played, some of which were fun. Ole Miss got a win this weekend. Ohio State, Penn State was fun. And all the conversation is about ADs and coaches getting fired and buyouts and money and NIL and all that. <sighs> what a world. What a world, Brian Hayden. 30 seconds or less, and then we will blitz. It was supposed to be an off weekend. What the hell? I thought I wasn't going to have to work. <laughs> Did you? I just wanted to watch football. Yeah, working the phones all day Saturday. Like, what? Did you ever get out of your recliner, though? I moved around a little. A little. A little. Okay. I had to cook on Saturday, too. So, Oh, we'll get into that a little bit later as well. Sports Talk Mississippi. It's Monday. Let's blitz. We start back on Thursday night. We talked about this on Friday. Southern Miss with a 39-24 win over the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana. Southern Miss now one win away 
from bowl eligibility. Friday night was fun. Was fun. East Carolina became bowl eligible. They headed out to Provo and beat Utah. Or, I'm sorry, they beat BYU 27-24. Freshman kicker with the game winner for East Carolina as time expired. Kicking has been a bit of an adventure for the Pirates this year. Florida International, I only mention this because it was an entertaining game late on Friday night, and former Ole Miss defensive coordinator Mike McIntyre has FIU playing well. They went 42-34 in double overtime over Louisiana Tech on Friday night. All right, Saturday games. How about this right out of the gate on Saturday? UConn 13, Boston College 3. Jim Mora Jr., shortly after they did a feature on game day where they talked about ghosts in his house, goes out and uh, a little ghostly for uh, UConn against Boston College. They might be bowl eligible when this is over. He's cooking. They got to get two more. But? Moving what? in the right direction for uh, for How UConn. much money would, money would Randy Edsel have made on this oh, season? Oh, my, my goodness. God. Oh, the incentives out the wazoo. You've seen his coaching resume, right? He gets fired, lives off the buyout, then takes another job. This is like the third time he's done that. Talking about Mora? Yeah. Yeah, it's not a bad yeah. way to go, I guess. It's a good way to be. That was uh, one Next of my stop favorite. Auburn. Yeah, one of my favorite characters in a book series, Travis McGee, did that. He won a bunch of money in a poker game, went out and bought a boat. Lived on it until he couldn't afford it. Then he'd go out and do a job, and then he wouldn't work for six months, and then go out and do another job. Uh, undefeated TCU stays that way. 41-31 in Morgantown over West Virginia. Everybody's like, eh, it gets weird there. TCU answered another test, and they keep rolling in Sonny Dyke's first year. Ohio State 44-31. Final score, maybe not indicative. That game was close in the fourth quarter, and then Ohio State pulled away big-time defensive plays. Yeah, they've got a defensive end whose name I can't pronounce that is unbelievable. Guy like, it felt like he won the game by himself. What do you have, three uh, three tackles for a loss, two sacks, an interception return for a touchdown, and a forced fumble? He's got the Samoan last name. He's unbelievable. JT Tui Moloau? Yeah, yeah. That, that's, 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 that's better than I could do. That dude is He's part of the bloodline. Acknowledge him. Arkansas goes to Auburn 41-27. Who knew that a 14-point loss to Arkansas would be the straw that broke the camel's back? More on that coming up a little bit later. Oklahoma Who has right to ship. win. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, Oklahoma has righted the ship a bit. 27-13, they went over Iowa State. Iowa State has lost five in a row after a 3-0 start to the season. Pretty remember good when win. Matt Campbell was going to coach Texas? I mean, he's the greatest that. coach out there. I mean, he's done a quickly. good job. He, ha- he absolutely has. He There's has. no doubt. But he, he had. He had done a good job. Yeah. He, does, he lost Brock Purdy. I mean, I guess. Yeah. Not everybody that loses an NFL quarterback immediately jumps back to eight and one the next year. It's hard to do. What's that, that smirk, face? Hey, Dad? What, <laughs> what, what, is, what is that smirk, hey, Dad? Continue. <laughs> Notre Dame goes to the Dome in Syracuse, and they win 41-24. Notre Dame playing football a little bit better than they were at the beginning of the year. They are now five and three. You see who's on the schedule next? Who's next? Clemson. Ooh. 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 Upset alert? Is that, is that in South Bend? Hey. No, it can't be. Can it? Could Maybe. be. I don't know. Maybe. Four. Only one of two choices. 
four overtimes in Charlottesville, Virginia. One of those games where if you watched, you deserve to have a check deposited into your account. Miami 14, Virginia 12 in four overtimes. Mario Cristobal, spoiler for winners and losers, punted on Virginia's 38-yard line. On Virginia's, did you see what Miami did offensively? It was line. probably a smart play. But the thirty-eight, what are you Sly doing? Sly Croom says, "What's the big deal?" Uh, I only throw this one in because my broadcast partner, I think, was the only person. Uh, Taylor McCarg, former Rice quarterback, I think he was the only person in America that cared about this game, and he was irate. Charlotte was one and seven and just fired Will Healy. Trend continues. They beat Rice in Houston, who was four and three. And closing in on possible bowl eligibility, they lose at home 56-23 to Charlotte. Ooh. How about Brett Bielema and the Fighting Illini? They go to Nebraska. They win again 26-9. They're now 7-1 and on the year, and they are in control of the Big Ten West. UCF, an injury to their quarterback, John Rice Plumley. Last year's starter, Mikey Keene, enters the game. He was big time, and UCF knocks off Cincinnati 25-21. Bearcats had won six straight since losing to Arkansas to start the year, but had been living dangerously. Yeah, UCF's got this coach who runs a pretty fun offense, uses dynamic quarterbacks. Maybe Auburn should give him a call. <clears throat> Oregon keeps on rolling. When they play teams not named Georgia, they're pretty darn good. 42-24, another big game for Bo Nix as Oregon moves to 7-1. and Wake Forest turned it over eight times, including six times in the third quarter, leading to 35 Louisville third-quarter points. Cardinals win at 48-21. They're now 5-3 and three on the year. Everybody saw this one coming. Oklahoma State on the road against Kansas State, 48-0. Kansas State. The Pokes got poked on Saturday. Kansas Georgia. State, pretty good. Pretty darn yeah, Did you see uh, Oklahoma State's backup quarterback when he was inserted into the game? You, you, you forget these guys are human. They zoom in on his hands. When he's about to take his first snap, they're shaking. He was so nervous. They're shaking just like this before he takes his first snap as a college quarterback. That was, mm. that was a real human thing right there. Georgia wins the cocktail party, but Florida covers. Iowa wins over Northwestern. Northwestern still undefeated in Ireland, still winless in North America. <laughs> Iowa now 4-4. Four and 23-10, four. to 10, Mizzou over South Carolina. All three of us were all over that pick last week. Not. I told you it was going to be close early. I was halfway right, which doesn't count at all, but halfway right. Southern Cal, 45-37 over Arizona. Johnny backdoor cover for Arizona in that ball game. Not much of a game in Knoxville. Tennessee, 44-6 over Kentucky. The most exciting thing that happened in Ann Arbor was after the game, maybe leading to arrests of Michigan State players. Michigan stays undefeated after a 29-7 win over the in-state rival. North Carolina now 7-1 after a 42-24 win over Pittsburgh. UCLA and Chip Kelly rolling along 38-13 at the Rose Bowl over Stanford. Shockingly, not a great crowd there for that game. That is your Blitz. We are just getting started. This is Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Ain't in no hurry. Ain't in no Hurry today.
Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices on Super Talk Mississippi. Well, the news cycle got rolling on Saturday morning, right as the 11 o'clock games were kicking off, and uh, it turned into a, uh, a very newsy Monday. Good to be back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, and your Supertalk Mississippi stations. We will get into games in a little while. There were plenty to talk about, including Ole Miss's win at Texas A&M on Saturday night. That was maybe the most entertaining game of the day. Like, across all of college football. It was good. Yeah, I can definitely make that case. Yeah. And, and, that, and that's not trying to be, like, locally biased. I mean, obviously, we would spend t- time talking about it, whether it was good or not. But there were a lot of bad games in the early slot, a lot of very average games in the middle of the day, and then not great stuff at, at night either. So yeah. it was actually a close game in a great environment. So, um, And Judkins finally, uh, I don't know what the game rating is going to be. I imagine it's not going to be super-duper massive. I'm sure it'll be good, though. But... Uh, it, it looked like that game... You're not going to get numbers because it was an SEC Network game. That's right. So we won't even know how many people watched. but About a million people. Th- this was the first time that I think nationally people realized who Quinchon Judkins is. I mean, probably so. Local media, like SEC media, has has been aware he's been good all season. But I think finally, like when, when you've got national people saying, wait, who is this kid... Finally, people are starting to pay attention to how special he is. Agreed. Agreed. So we'll get into that. But what was it, about 10.30, 11 o'clock on Saturday morning when the national people, I guess there was a report from Pete Thamel and uh, others that were covering it, said that, uh, and, and I may not have this exactly right in terms of the timeline, hey, Dad, but said that, Auburn and John Cohen were deep in discussions about John Cohen becoming the athletics director there. Uh, there was a confirmation at one point on Saturday that it was done. I don't know if that was completely accurate. Um, maybe done in principle, but in terms of a contract actually being signed, don't know. Uh, those reports kind of hung out over the weekend. On Saturday night, there was a report from uh, Justin uh, Hokanson or Hawkinson, who covers Auburn, that said that there had been an significant internal pushback to the hiring of John Cohen and that the president of the university was listening, Dr. Roberts, I think it's Chris Roberts, who's the new president at Auburn. And then uh, yesterday was pretty quiet on all fronts. And then today, you first, if, if I've got the timeline right, which was first, the, the announcement from Mississippi State that John Cohen was no longer the AD or the announcement from Auburn that Brian Harson had been fired? State's announcement was first. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Dr. Keenum released a statement. John Cohen had resigned as athletics director. That got out there, and within half an hour, maybe less, the news came that Auburn had fired its football coach. Which says to me, I don't know if it says to you guys or not, but it says to me that one of the terms of the employment was, you got to go ahead and fire the guy before I come on board. Don't don't make me walk in and fire the football coach. You guys have been around this situation. If you want him gone and we're going to hire a new football coach, do it before I get in. That shouldn't be the first thing I have to do as the new AD. Sounds fair. 
looking at it now. Ross tweet Ross Dellinger tweets at ten fifty three that, that that's the first one that I saw that Cohen is out at Mississippi State. So that's at ten fifty three. The first tweet I saw about uh, Harson was from Brandon Marcello. That's at eleven fifty three. One hour. Okay. So so an hour in between. So where do we start here? I, I, we've got to start with the Mississippi State piece of this because the Bulldogs' uh, athletic program, Mississippi State's president, Dr. Mark Keenum, is now looking for a new athletics director. I mentioned at the top of the show the emotions of this are all over the place. You have some that are angry. You have some that are indifferent. You have some that are excited that John Cohen is leaving, that we're not big fans of his. Uh, you have some that are incredibly disappointed. You have some that are screaming uh, lack of integrity and treason from the rooftops. You have some that, I mean, it's just full-out pearl-clutching over, I can't believe the timing of this. The reactions of this are all over the place. So, Brian, hey, Dad, give me your reaction to this news. And I believe this. I know a lot of people are going to probably call me an apologist or whatever, but... uh I think Mississippi State got better today. I think that Mississippi State is now in a position to go out and hire an athletic director that is better suited to the NIL transfer portal 2022 world than that had previously. I, I think they have a chance to go out and get a man, a man or a woman who understands marketing and branding better than they had previously. So for me, when I look at this, and I respect John Cohen, always got along with him, never had a problem with him. But for me, I feel like Mississippi State has a huge opportunity here to inject some new blood into its university and move forward in a positive manner. You say a new AD, I feel like you you hit on two different pretty important things there. The last two athletics directors, Greg Byrne and then Scott Strickland, come from a different place than than John Cohen, obviously. John Cohen, his background was, was coaching as a player and as a coach. That's two guys that were career administrators. Greg Byrne, the son of an athletics director. Scott Strickland started working in the athletics department at Mississippi State as an undergrad as an intern, he worked in other places. He worked under Mitch Barnhart at Kentucky. He worked at Baylor, probably the most formative time of his life as an administrator leading up to the point that he was an AD at Mississippi State was when he was the, I think it was media relations director, but he was basically the crisis manager. If you go way back, not the Art Brile stuff, but like way back with the Dave Bliss stuff, when Baylor had yeah. this awful public relations nightmare they were dealing with, and he kind of managed that. I, I think that's where he was really shaped uh, as an athletics administrator. Then he comes on, he works under Greg Byrne, but the focus, or, or a, a big part of the focus with both of those guys, was on the marketing front. Mm-hmm. That was not, and, and the, that, that, that's not that, from where John Cohen came, but, right. but the other part of what you mentioned, and, and you can elaborate on that in a second if you want to, is you, you said somebody that understands and embraces the NIL world. Mm-hmm. Clearly, that is impo- as, as important an issue as exists in college athletics today. But just having an AD that embraces it is not the same as having a war chest full of money to take advantage of it. 
No question about that. And I think State got off to a bad start in an IL, and that was when they tried to. You, know, the, you recall we had an interview with uh, with Lee Van Horn, who put out the State's first, was sort of putting together State's first foray in NIL. Yeah. And if you recall, wanted to focus on baseball more than than football, and that that's mm-hmm. a huge mistake. And and Lee Van Horn, who used to work for John Cohen uh, on as in, in the uh, in the baseball department. I, I like Lee again, another guy that I respect, but it just didn't work. And so I think State was kind of behind the eight ball. I think Charlie Winfield has done a fantastic job of getting State going in the right direction for NIL with the Bulldog Initiative. But, you know, when whenever we would have John Cohen on or whenever I talked to him, he would always talk about things like it's not a sustainable model or, you know, he would talk about it in, in a fashion that he obviously didn't like it, much as Mike Leach doesn't either. And it always felt to me like instead of you know you don't have to embrace it, but you do have to acknowledge it. You have to, this is this is where you are right now, and I never got that impression ooh, from from John in my talking to. I, I think you absolutely okay. have to embrace it. Well, I mean, I you mean, have to publicly. You can you can be in your head. Oh well, you can yeah. be in your head saying this isn't right, but you have to come out and say, look, folks, this is what we need you to do. As much as you can, I know the NCAA and the state laws prohibit a lot of stuff, but you, you, behind the scenes, you can make phone calls and talk to people. It, it's I mean, you know, we know that's me, happening. It, it, it's hard for me to go completely on board with that because I can't imagine Auburn, who mm-hmm. reportedly is ready to jump head first. They were slow on the uptake. When I was at Auburn for the spring game, I had some conversations with people, and they're like, Auburn can't compete in the NIL space. They seem to have kind of gotten their ducks in a row. It's hard for me to believe that they would hire an AD who, as you say, is kind of pushing back on that, though. Well, the the thing I would tell you is that with Auburn, you probably don't need to push very much to get them in. They, they kind of know. They know they need to take what they have to take care of. They've been doing it for years under the table. Now they can just go ahead and do it. They may have started slow, but my feeling is they can catch up a lot quicker. I know there was a lot of talk. You know, Ross Dellinger tweeted that NIL was a big reason that Cohen left. You know, I feel like if states, some of state states, states NIL issues can be laid at Cohen's feet. So, and for some me, of them can be laid at Mike Leach's feet. I, I agree. Not a coach who gets out publicly and sort of pushes, "Hey, I need y'all's help here." Um, so we'll see. We'll see. But I, I think this is an exciting opportunity for Mississippi State to go out. And in, and get some new new blood, new ideas into this university. For I mean, you look at you know, Byrne was the first outsider for how many years? You had Templeton, Strickland is a lifelong MSU guy, and then Cohen's a lifelong MSU guy. You have a chance here, I think, to go outside of that, go outside the maroon and white bubble, and find some some new some new ideas that I think this university needs. We'll pick that conversation up next when we come back with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Super Talk Mississippi. Check this out. Are you ready? Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. Mississippi State is in the market for a new athletics director. We can throw names out. 
seems probably a little premature. Um, I mean, the assumption is that Mark Keenum started thinking about slash looking for this. Uh, I I would not be willing to say at lunchtime today. I mean, <laughs> what worst case scenario? It was over the weekend, but my guess is it was earlier than that. If you think John Cohen first talked to Auburn on Saturday when that report came out, you're crazy. Right? I mean, this search has been going on for a while. You didn't see his name mainstream reported, but if you really were paying attention, there were a few places that had reported his name as somebody that Auburn either had talked to or was interested in. And so my guess is that Mark Keenum probably got wind of this a couple of weeks ago and has at least been thinking in the direction of what route he might go. Hey, Dad, have you talked to anyone or heard anything about how Mark Keenum feels about how all this is going down? Is there angst? Is it, well, congratulations, good luck to you? Is he angry? Did he try to convince John Cohen to stay, etc.? I haven't, I haven't spoken to anybody on the administration side like that, the people I've talked to in the athletic department. They themselves were caught pretty off guard uh, by the reports on uh, on Saturday. So Cohen did a good job of keeping this under wraps amongst his coworkers uh, in the athletic department. Knowing Dr. Keenum as I do, I would imagine that he may have been caught off guard at the beginning of all this. But he's a guy you know who would get around that pretty quickly and has probably already moved on. And and this he might if I well, from what I have I was told earlier today from we'll say a source that he might be deeper into the process of finding a replacement than we might give him credit for, that he might be a little further down the road than you would think when you just now made the announcement that your athletic director uh, is uh, possibly or is leaving. I, I think it's important, Borky, to remember that within the athletics world, Mark Keenum is probably as connected a university president as there is. Yeah, I mean, he's the orchestrator of playoff expansion, right? So I'm with you with what you said earlier. There, There's no way that he was blindsided by this over the weekend. Absolutely no way. And I agree with you, you guys. I think that I would even go a step further in terms of where their mindset is. Um, somebody that has worked in athletics is obviously a plus, but I think that you have got to find somebody that will dive Head first into the deepest of pools into NIL. They they need to be somebody that will think about that every second of every day. How can we get creative? How can we raise more money? Because look, facilities projects aren't competing anymore. They're not. How many people? Not to make this about Ole Miss. How many times has Lane Kiffin said that? But it's not just him. It's everybody. Dive headfirst if you want to compete in football, if you want to compete in basketball, which are the two sports that truly make money for your school, NIL is the only thing that matters. Getting the hump renovated is nice. You know what's nicer? Fifty grand for a center. That that, that those are the kind of things that that has to happen and it's gotta be somebody that oh, wow. is able to to change some mindsets a little bit as well. Get fans that that are reluctant to get on board to donate to that side because if you don't, if there's reluctance, you're going to get left behind. That is priority one, two, three, four, and five. If I am making this higher, what will you do about NIL? How will you fundraise? Will you be creative? Because in Mississippi, we don't have Texas A&M money, and we got to compete with Texas A&M for everything. So, what are you going to do to help bridge that gap? 
Those are my first five questions in the interview. Real quick, uh, Auburn has named their interim head coach Cadillac Williams. That's the one that made the most sense. There is no scenario where Cadillac Williams, regardless of outcome on the field over the final month of the regular season, is going to be named the head coach at Auburn. He is an Auburn guy that is beloved. He coaches the most talented position group on that roster. Coach Cadillac, get us through this next month. The freshman freshman on that roster would have been just being born. He was still playing football at Auburn. That's how young he is. Yeah, but there's enough uh, recognition of Cadillac Williams in and around that program that they know who he is, and they yeah. know what he did. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next question, right, is why? That's that's the next question. What, is, why, does, <clears throat> why does John Cohen leave Mississippi State for Auburn? Yep. I had a conversation. With uh, with a friend, this not anybody in the athletics world. Um, on my way to the studio today, and he goes, "I'd argue that Mississippi State's a better job." And I said, "Well, he's like, think about the difference in the level of pressure that exists as the athletics director at Mississippi State in comparison to the pressure at Auburn. It's that that." That department is a graveyard for coaches and administrators. I would I would say that the way your friend should have phrased it, it's a more stable job at Mississippi State. It's a better job at Auburn because you have a much higher ceiling. You have a lot more money to work with. You have a lot more tradition. You have you have all those things that you want. But you're right in that it's just you know you're throwing people into the volcano every three years there. At Auburn, there is no stability. Whereas at Mississippi State, if you can be a consistent winner, you can coach or administer here for as long as you choose to. Because that's how I would look at it. Auburn doesn't have the stability that Mississippi State does. You know what Auburn has that State doesn't have right now? A reset button. This is that that the when I saw that news, the first thing I thought of is obviously you know why? Why would he go? And I could be wrong. Maybe the extension he signed earlier this year is ironclad and he wasn't going anywhere. But looking at it from the perspective of the Mississippi State fans at large, let's pretend for a second that Mississippi State finishes 7-5 and with another loss in the Egg Bowl. Let's pretend that that happens. And then they have okay. another season just like that. There will be pressure to terminate the head coach. And if I'm a state fan, that's not the person I want hiring a third football coach when the previous two don't work out. My thought was he's going to Auburn because he gets a five-year deal that he's going to see through. He gets to hire a new football coach. There's no bad track record of hiring other coaches, not just football. He, He hasn't been the best hirer of coaches. Baseball. Now, he hired a coach that ended up working out, but still, there was a bad hire in baseball. There was a bad hire in women's basketball. There was a bad hire in football. And if my theory is right, he thinks there's another bad hire in football. So why not go to Auburn where you're established in baseball, you're established in basketball, and you get to restart your football coach hire? Because if Mike Leach doesn't work out, 
the average state fan should not want John Cohen making the next hire. I've said that many times. You don't the the the, the athletic director who gets to hire re, gets to hire a third coach when the previous two were fired. I mean, it's one thing if they left for other reasons, but if you've had to fire two football coaches and you get you don't get a third, it just is. I can't think of the last person who would have that that kind of scenario. So there's some there's some there's definitely some truth in in what Borky is saying to me that he could have looked at that and, and think, which would be interesting to for for me to, to picture Cohen saying the guy that I hired. We're two and a half years in. I don't think it's going to work. And if you're an Auburn fan, that shouldn't thrill you that that he's made two football coaching hires and neither one of them have just been raging successes. So that 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 was one of the reasons I that was there were two reasons I thought this was an odd fit for Auburn. One, they need to hire a football coach, and John Cohen does not have a great track record of hiring football coaches. And then two. We all know, and we've had Auburn people in here. They, they tell you that Auburn's boosters, for you know, you can say that they're involved, or you can say they run the show, however you want it. And I know of no individual, or very few individuals, who are more, for lack of a better word, stubborn than John Cohen. I mean, he had a nickname regarding his his intensity. He's not the kind of guy who just gets pushed around. I, I don't know how that that marriage is going to work. It's possible that the new president wanted to hire somebody that he thought was strong enough to stand up to, to to build relationships, but also push back if necessary. It's tough to stand up to people when they pay, when they have the money. You ca- you got to do what the people who have money say a lot of well, times. Yeah, but you also better be an incredibly gifted communicator. Right? I mean, if, well, I I was going to say, is that a strong suit for John Cohen? I don't know. But if, if you're going to have to make difficult decisions while still asking people to give large amounts of money, you better be able to communicate vision, and you better build strong relationships with them Basically giving yourself the ability to make those people feel like they're like it's their idea when it's actually your idea. I mean it's like consensus building and making them feel something that isn't necessarily what they initially felt. Ceasefire text line open to you at 601-879-4395. We will be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. One more Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. 
Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by M-Trade Park. You can find them online at mtradepark.com. Full slate of stuff coming your way in the spring. They're winding down. A couple of more tournaments this fall at M-Trade Park. If you're looking for a little baseball action before it gets too cold, you can get your team registered online now at mtradepark.com. But as you plan for the spring whether it's U-Triple-S-A baseball, fast pitch, or soccer, they've got it all. 14 fields, synthetic turf infields, natural grass outfields. The soccer fields are in absolute pristine condition. Plus, there's an indoor hitting facility. It's all at M-Trade Park. If you're going to play, play M-Trade, mtradepark.com. Um, where does Mississippi State go next? Oh, they're at home. Against Auburn. <laughs> the, the next road game is the Egg Bowl. So, Oxford. Hardy, har, har. I was, I was thinking more to. along the lines of for the, um, the position of director of athletics at Mississippi State University. Well, if Dr. Brian Haydad was running that show, I would look at every resume, and if it said previously worked at Mississippi State University, I would just throw it in the trash. I'm not interested. New blood. That being said, obviously that won't be the case. I do think some new some new names will pop up. The name that everybody on the message boards wants, and a name that I think is a reasonable idea, is John Curry, currently at Wake Forest, um, longtime administrator, has been in the SEC before, was run out of Tennessee very unfairly. I think we would all agree on that. Um, Closer to home, Jared Binko's name is going to get brought out. Yeah, well, hold on real you know, quick. And, and when not everybody remembers John Curry or the fact that he was the AD. He was at the AD at Tennessee when the Phil Fulmer coup slide into the athletics to ch- chair. Shout out Clay Travis. Yeah, he was probably about to hire Never Mike Leach on the heels of trying to hire Greg Schiano. All he was, had Mullen he was, in the bag. Had Mullen coming to Tennessee, and then Florida stepped in. Yeah, Florida took that away. And Shiano's yeah. doing a pretty good job at, at Rutgers right now. Yeah. How did Jeremy Pruitt end up? Hmm. Not great. Let me uh let me so, Oh, terrible. So Curry is kind of the Curry's kind of the top name as far as the, the, the new guys would be. Jared Binko, former MSU employee, uh associate athletic director, uh is at Georgia Southern now, doing a good job there. his name will be brought up. I saw John David Wicker's name brought up. He's the athletic director at San Diego State, another guy, former MSU guy. Um, trying to think. You know, Scott Weatherby's name will be brought up. Now he's at Eastern Michigan. He's their athletic director. Again, guy formerly at Mississippi State. My personal thought, this is how I would handle it. And then I could be wrong. I could be right. Okay. But I would go to a school like Ohio State or Michigan, maybe USC, Maybe maybe uh, Oklahoma, maybe Alabama, maybe during the conference, and I would ask, who's the number two? Who's the ascendant guy? Who's the guy that we could see in ten years holding this job, holding the director of athletics at Ohio State or Michigan kind of job? That's the guy I want—a younger guy who works for a big brand, who has big ideas. That's the that's the path that I would take. Now I don't know any of those guys. I don't know any of their names. Luckily, it's not your job, you know. Well, a couple. <laughs> not of, my job. Not on the committee. If you're thinking in the SEC right now, the mm-hmm. number two at Georgia became the AD there about two years ago. So I don't know mm-hmm. who his number two is. 
the number two that was at Alabama just got the Georgia Tech job. Who does number two work for? That's what I want to know. Uh, hey, you tell that who's uh, boss, buddy. <laughs> I did the wrong voice. Austin said that, yeah. not uh, not Doctor Evil. Number two. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's where I go. I mean, I'm trying to find the next Greg Byrne. That's what I'm trying to do if I'm Mississippi State. David on the Ceasefire text line says that uh, Mike Alford, the athletics director at Florida State, is a former Diamond Dog. Only thing I would say he about is, that, is... David, is he just got that job. Yeah, he he was the director. He was the executive director of Seminole Boosters Inc. until less than a year ago. And just finally slid into that job. He's been at Florida State for a while. Would you? That's a good starting point, though. The booster club uh, leader. Yeah. Good starting point. Would you name him you had he not been an know. alum? If that answer is no, cross him off then. Oh, Mike Alford, I think, but is he, absolutely a guy that if you thought you could get, that that'd be a good hire. I mean, he's the athletic director at Florida State. If Mississippi State can get that guy, sure. Jared Binko and Scott Weatherby are guys that if they weren't, not alums, but if they hadn't worked at State before, wouldn't would be in, people wouldn't know who they were. Right. You would not be missing. They're the Joe them. Judge of this uh of this uh search. Ooh, wow. Remember when that happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, did I mention that on Cohen's hiring record? Because that deal was done too. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at Supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Four o'clock hour coming up, winners and losers, and a whole lot more. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi continues. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. You want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business, backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do, right here in C Spire country. Check them out online today, C Spire Business, sorry, cspire.com slash Business. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, home of two 18-hole championship golf courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas at Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. You can visit DancingRabbitGolf.com to book a tee time or plan your trip today. That is Dancing Rabbit Golf Club at the Pearl River Resort. Thanks for being with us. Let's. Uh, I, I think we can continue this conversation even as we go into winners and losers. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Brian, hey, Dad, I have a winner for you. Credit. Okay. Where do. No, don't steal it from me. Don't steal it from me. Credit Let me do it. Do. I know where you're going. No, 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 no. I don't know if you I, do or not. I know exactly where you're going. 
There is nobody who is harder on officials than you Stole are. From me. Pat Steel. Hoberg God. is a winner. Game two of the World Series, the Houston Astros, five to two winners over the Philadelphia Phillies to even the series at one. This can be ours together. Straight thievery. We had no prior discussion to this. So we know that umpires are graded on how many balls and strikes they get correctly. Pat Hoberg called 129 of 129 pitches correctly. The average in Major League Baseball is 94%. That was 100%. His overall consistency was 96%. Zero of 89 called balls were true strikes. Zero of 40 called strikes were true balls. What are they? They have the what is the EUZ the something zone? Estimated ump zone. He had only four called balls that were inside that area, and only one called strike that was outside the estimate. I don't even know what that means. All I know is that cat had a good day behind the plate in Game Two of the World Series. I was ready to offer the olive branch to the officials of the world, and you just you just took it from me. Fine, I'm going to steal one from you. Okay. I'm going to steal one from you right here. You do that, Jackson Dart. Ooh. Jackson Dart. Okay, great Tell me game more. Saturday. You know, we did a thing like a couple weeks ago when we talked about the Egg Bowl, and we said, you know, who has the advantage at each each, each position? And we we all agreed. Will Rogers gives him issue the the advantage at quarterback. But Will Rogers would not have won that game for Ole Miss on on Saturday night because Jackson Dart's ability to escape the pocket and make big plays, I, I you would have thought he was Michael Vick the way ten, the Texas A&M could not wrap him up and bring him down. The huge play, including the one where he's in the end zone, it looks like they're going to get a safety or at least get a big play there, and he just slithers out of there and 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 gets a first down. He just played really really well, and of course you know what you're getting with Judkins and Evans. Dangerous team. We'll see what happens. I don't think they're going to beat Alabama, but they'll be favored against Arkansas and State. I'm not 100% sure that they're going to be favored at Arkansas. See what happens between now and then. You know the crazy thing about having Jackson Dart like you just did is is if if you look at his numbers, you're like, "Eh, that's an awfully average night at quarterback. Because he threw for, what, 145 yards? 140 yards. Hmm. He did have three touchdown passes. But he also ran it for 95 yards net. He just played a really clean game. And Borky, what have you been calling for? Eliminate the big mistake? And and there wasn't even a throw where you thought, ooh, buddy. Not even close. What are you you Not even close. Just on the road, his team was down, too. I mean, that would have been a prime spot for a young quarterback to do young quarterback things and didn't do uh, any of that. So, yeah, he was he was good. He was He's not going to get talked about much today or this week. The, everything's going to be on Judkins. But without stable and effective quarterback play, especially with his legs, Ole Miss does not win that game. Not, mm-hmm. not anywhere close. Uh, the New Orleans Saints. How about the Saints? Who that? 
183 total yards. That's it. 183 total yards for the Vegas Raiders. And that's a team that scored 32, 29, and 38 points going into that game. Not a particularly good Raiders team, but an offense that's dangerous. Uh, Zero. A big old shutout. Dalton was good. I like the way they're using uh, Taysom Hill. And, And finally, they decided our best player is Alvin Kamara. When we're in the red zone, let's force the football to our best player. And look at what happens. You score touchdowns. It's amazing. But that was a that was a big bounce back. And now because the NFC South is a joke, they're only one game back of the division lead. And it's a team they beat earlier this season, and they will again at home. So the Saints are one game back of the division. They're one game back of the division right now. Defense finally coming around. Somebody said a variation of this, and it worked for them pretty well. I'm going to try it myself right now, but don't let the Saints get hot. It feels like they're getting close where, to being hot, where too. I heard that before. I don't know. I don't know who else said that. I just remember it for some odd reason. No idea who else would have said something like that, though. I have what I think is an undeniable winner, but is not one that I have heard anybody mention in relation to Ole Miss football, honestly, all season long. Jonathan Cruz. Jonathan Cruz is the kicker for Ole Miss. He has kicked off 57 times this year. Two of them have gone out of bounds. That's not great. 32 of them, though, have been touchbacks. And the return yards have been pretty negligible on the ones that have not been touchbacks. Perry and Brown notwithstanding in Kentucky. He is 9 of 10 kicking field goals this season. 2 of 2 from short range between 20 of 29. 2 of 2 from between 30 and 39. 4 of 4 in the 40 to 49 yard range. And 1 of 2 beyond 50 yards. He has made 9 straight. He missed his first field goal attempt of the year, a 51-yarder against Georgia Tech. Since then, he made two against Kentucky, one against Vandy, two against Auburn, two against LSU, one against A&M, one against uh, Central Arkansas. This is not – it's maybe not updated yet. Oh, wait, yeah, yeah, there it is. The f- I'm sorry, there. I don't know what this sequence is, but anyway, never mind. I'm looking at stat sheet. Um the 46-yarder that he hit against Texas A&M on Saturday night, I thought was massive. Ole Miss was down 14-7. to They had been doing nothing offensively. Clip along, clip along, clip along, and get a field goal late in the second quarter to make it a four-point game. I know a field goal to make it a four-point game is not like kicking a game winner. I thought getting points on the board and kind of stopping the offensive bleeding was really important. Especially after what they did to get there, right? That was the drive where, you you want to talk about brass ones, calling the fake punt deep in your own territory like that was um, took some guts. Porky, I don't think calling it deep in your own territory really does justice. They were at their own (laughs) 15-yard line. And went direct snap to the up back for him to go straight ahead up the middle. 
You know, it, there was a missed block. Uh, the guy that made the tackle should have been blocked, and uh, and zero just missed it. Just just didn't touch him. That would have been an easy first down had that block been executed. So it was a good call. It was closer than it should have been because of poor execution. But you had J. J. to get Pegues needed four yards. He got four yards in an inch. That much, but he got it. You needed points on that drive because of what you risked to get points on that drive. You needed to and things calmed down in that game and defensively they got stops and in spots got pass rush and in spots tackled better and then they had second half offense and won. They did. Without that though, does the game end that way? Maybe not. Another quick winner. He didn't break out the clown nose, but Lane got him. He absolutely got him in post game. So subtle. I hate Lane Kiffin because they won't let me hate him. I hate Lane Kiffin. Because he won't let me hate him. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll get to your winners and losers. I guess we'll get to our losers when we come back as well in the Pearl River Resort Studios. To Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station. Mississippi. Winners are so much more fun than losers because losers are usually, there's a negative connotation, but the segment has two parts, right? It has winners and it has losers. We've done some winners. What about losers? Well, the worst offensive quarter of football played in maybe the history of the sport by what is an objectively good offense run by an objectively good quarterback. Wake Forest turned the ball over eight times in their game against Louisville on Saturday. That's not the issue. In the third quarter, six turnovers. In the third quarter, two interception returns for touchdowns in that quarter. Six turnovers in the third quarter alone in a game in which they, as you can imagine, lost. That is a veteran quarterback doing that, too. Bizarre. But they're losers. Michigan State's players who attacked a Michigan player in the tunnel, I don't. I think it's pretty clear that we don't know all the circumstances surrounding that. But even not knowing all the circumstances, not knowing why there was just one Michigan player that was there by himself, at the time, there's no excuse to take and like just jump another player after the game is over because you're mad you lost. Or even if because, I mean, it was like threw him down on the ground, broke his nose, they're kicking him, and Jim Harbaugh has alluded to the fact that he wants to seek prosecution of those players. 
Mel Tucker, for his part, suspended four players indefinitely yesterday, effective immediately. Sounds like there's going to be more. Um, what would the takes be? What would they have been? Had that been the egg bowl? Oh, oh my would, God. Would, well, I said they this on Twitter. This show. Would, would that have been an indictment? on? Is, was what happened an indictment on Northern football culture and a toxic environment? Is that what Saturday was in Ann Arbor? Is that uh, a spotlight shined on the, the terrible nature of the state of Michigan? Or, or, or was that was that not the same as as, as it is here? Well, I mean, my goodness, I just, I, th- I just think about Kirk Herbstreet's rant after State and, the, and Tulsa and the fight that they had, and as bad as it gets, a black guy for the sport. What's this, Big Ten guy? Tell me, tell me what that is. You know, it, it's funny. Is there, everybody around the country points at the SEC and talks about its corruption and how it cares too much about football and stuff? But all these things keep happening to the Big Ten. It's weird. Covering up that's decades twice. worth of disgusting criminal behavior, abuse of players, fights that are possibly going to lead to jail time. Hmm. But it's the Southern culture I mean, that's, that's twice backwards. In, well, that twice in three weeks there's been an altercation in the Michigan tunnel? Like, how hard is that to, to police? Put some security there, put up some rails, do something. Doesn't feel like it would be that difficult. Those crimes were felonies. What Jimbo Fisher does on offense is probably just a misdemeanor. But that is the most frustrating offensive team to watch I've seen since maybe State under Sylvester Croom. And it's different because with Croom, at least, the talent was was an issue. It was just an issue. He didn't have the players. I know they've got the players. I mean, you can do more with your running back, who's a game-breaker, than just hand him the ball off and check down to him. You can You can find other ways to get him the ball more creatively. They were gashing Ole Miss with the running game, and then they decide let's get away from that and just throw deep every play. And then the the final the final possession there, third and ten, you got like thirty something some odd seconds to go, and we're going to run a route short of the the line to make. That's unforgivable. That guy, again, the the, the Ross Bjork stands firm as as maybe one of the biggest dolts in the world. Ninety million to get that guy out of there. It's worth it. It's worth it to pay it. Who's going to pay it though? That I don't know, but somebody needs to. Yeah, let's go to the ceasefire text. Oh wow, six zero one eight seven nine. Real quick, Richard. Yeah, I hate to break in. I'm sorry, but uh, Auburn has fired four other coaches. Uh, offensive coordinator Eric, I can't pronounce it. I'll just say the offensive coordinator, the tight ends coach. Keysaw. Kisal, tight end coach Brad Bedell, and then I don't know who Brad Lorondo and Darren Usher are, but they have also been fired. So they're keeping the defensive coordinator on. Coach Cadillac, uh, making his some name changes. wasn't on that list. Yeah, I don't imagine that Cadillac Williams is doing that firing. <laughs> Cadillac and Cohen, man, they're a wrecking machine. I would imagine Cadillac's working on a practice plan for tomorrow. Yeah, you know, John, John Cohen's parting shot to Mississippi State, by the way, was making sure that Ole Miss got into the baseball tournament where they subsequently won the national championship. I did see somebody been working against earlier, us for months. <laughs> I did see somebody earlier say, I have no ill will toward, uh, I think it was Mike <laughs> in Oxford. Mike in like, Oxford, he said thanks. N- n- no ill will toward John Cohen. Ole Miss doesn't get in the tournament if not for him. There you go. 
He's uh, he's right. All right, let's see here. Let's go to the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Loser, Vance, NCAA and referees roughing the passer and targeting call against Ole Miss was atrocious. Uh, Vance, I think we can have a longer conversation about targeting and roughing the passer and the way quarterbacks are protected I just don't think if you walked away from that game feeling like you didn't get a... I'm sorry. If you walked away from that game feeling like you didn't get a fair shake from the referees, I'm not sure we were watching the same game. Now, there are a lot of people who are like, oh, the the, the drive that was aided by three penalties. Yes, it was aided by three penalties. They were all 15-yard penalties, and they all happened on third down, reversing, resulting in first down to keep the drive high. All three of them were penalties. Obvious ones. Yeah, there's uh, a couple of people that are allegedly you know, media members uh, over in College Station that have been crying about the officiating and stuff. They, they oh, miss- Tex Ags was doing it on Twitter all throughout the game. Yeah, they, they missed some things, but overall it, it was fine. It was totally fine. But Rodgers on the broadcast, my, my gosh. I mean, just what what... I find bizarre when we're talking about targeting is number one, after multiple replays showed you that Tavius Robinson had his head up, by the way, his head up, and his face mask was in Wiegman's chest. Perfectly fine hit. You sit there on a broadcast in front of seven figures of people advocating for that kid to be suspended for the Alabama game. That's what you're saying when you say, oh, that's targeting for sure. Yeah, that's definitely targeting, even though I've got a monitor in front of me that's showing me it's not. That's definitely targeting. That needs to be called targeting and then being baffled when it's not. You're saying that that kid should be suspended for Alabama the next time his team takes the field. That's what you're saying when you say that. I find it ridiculous. You've got the monitor. You know it's not. But by so strongly advocating for it, you're saying that that hit should cost that guy a chance at a half against the number three or four team in America, whatever the playoff committee decides on Tuesday. What are you doing? Let's see here. Uh, Loser Mississippi State because they lost the second best AD in the SEC today. That's AJ from Yazoo County. Second best AD in the state. I didn't know Hunter Yurichek worked for Mississippi State. When did this happen? Is he the second best SEC AD in the state? That I yeah I can agree with that. Uh, winner, Brad Teague. He will be the next Mississippi State Athletic Director, All-American Pitcher at Delta State, Athletic Director at Delta State, UCA Athletics Director for the past 15 years. Uh, Brad Teague's name Probably has come not. up uh, you know, before as well. Hey, great guy. Super, super guy. And very good at his job. Don't know that I think that's the direction that Mississippi State will go, but appreciate your, uh, your message on the C Spire text line. Uh, let's see here. Loser. Kiffin for engaging with an A&M player. Yeah, did you see that? I did. I will say, that's twice this year where Lane Kiffin's going to get away with something scot-free. No one's going to say a word. That I feel like if Mike Leach did it, it would be the lead story on SportsCenter. He pushed one of his own players earlier this year, and now he's just out there dog-cussing a Texas A&M player. Oh, by the way, dog-cussed him about faking injuries. Now I'm going to tell all of you why you're too fat. That's what's next on this show. I've heard some people say, oh, he's got to read the room better than that. 
I think the joke's on you if you think Lane Kiffin needs to read the room better about making fake injury statements. He knows exactly what he's doing. There's I agree, there. but there's a difference sure. between trolling trolling on the on the internet and calling a player what he called that player. Oh no no yeah I I shoot. are we sure the lip reading thing was correct? Yes, yeah, probably pretty correct. <laughs> yeah, thought it was close. Uh, I mean, it's his since... program, right? And it happened a lot last year. But at least we know uh, whose idea all that was. <laughs> we 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 know where that came from now. Now he approved it, but. We know whose idea it was. Lots more winners and losers. We'll try and grab a few more when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi, your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. couple of other winners to uh, get to as we wrap things up. Uh, let's see here. Winner. Jackson State selling out their game, hosting game day, and then routing Southern. That is from Alex. We had a couple of other people that mentioned that. I went, man. It was fun. And uh, it, the, the stadium was packed and stayed full the entire Did time. Did you go to the game? Didn't go to the game. Uh, went to game day, got there right as game day was starting, stayed yeah. until basically the end. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't see like the final pick because there was no Corso, but uh, it was a lot of fun. And it, it, when I lived in the area, the the team wasn't particularly good. And I lived just a few blocks from the stadium, and yeah. and people even then would would park near our house. So that's how close I lived to the stadium. Um, hadn't really been down around game day since, and I thought I was going to be able to park where I, I I used to park when I lived there. No shot. I mean, there there were people everywhere, and the, the only thing I could think of because I had friends ask me, you know, how was it? And I was like, honestly, it felt like a big time college football game. That's all it did. There's tailgating lots everywhere. I mean, the, the the smoker smoke was just everywhere, and game day was cool, and there was a lot of people there, and just for starting at 8 o'clock in the morning, the energy, it's the damnedest thing about sports. The energy, everybody there was just happy. 50,000 plus people hanging out at 8 o'clock in the morning around a football stadium, and every single person there was happy. I had so much fun. And you forget how good of a production college game day is as well, even for the people that are there. I mean, that the audio is good. Like They have monitors set up everywhere so you can actually watch the production during commercial breaks, they do things to keep people engaged. It felt like a big-time college football tailgate. That's all it felt like. It was a lot of fun. I'm really glad I went. And uh, a cannon scared me. The, the military group there shot off a cannon right behind me as I was recording a video. And uh, I did not expect them to shoot a cannon during a segment, but they did. And that kind of that's, that made me jump in the video. It's funny to, to watch in hindsight, but... That was a lot of fun. They showed out, and uh, it went well. Uh, a couple it's, uh, of others. Also, oh, a great that? moment from that. Quick, real quick. A great moment. I wish he had been there, but when they revealed to Dion that he and Lee Corso are tied on the all-time oh. interceptions <laughs> list at Florida State, that was fantastic. 
I really wish Lee, Lee Corso could have been there. That would have been a really great moment. Yeah, and, and what's funny is, is Dion's excuse is, well, they just didn't throw it to my side. And the, they counter throw it is, the, the counter is, Coach, they didn't throw it at all when Corso had 15 interceptions yeah. in the 50s at Florida State, my man. He might have he faced 100 passes in his career <laughs> at Florida State. Corso Island out there. Uh, let's see here. There's a here's a Lane Kiffin loser for once again showing no class and accusing an opposing player of doing what he coaches his own players to do. Winner. How can you disagree with any of well, that? I mean, winner Lane Kiffin for not having to pay rent for living free in your head. Hey, that's not. Hey, hey, just just say it. Uh, let's see. Jackson State won again. Congratulations to them. They are on the winner's list as they have been week after week after week after week. Dave says winner Will Hall and Southern Miss. Five and three. Who knew? Well, you did if you listened to Sports Talk Mississippi on Friday when we spent about an hour talking about how great that win was for Southern Miss on, uh, on Thursday night. So, uh, a lot of good stuff. Winner, me, for being able to watch that short and sour exchange between Jimbo and Lane at the end of the... Man, how short was that handshake? By the way, there were some people that thought that the Jimbo-Lane thing was just kind of, you know, for production value. No, it's not. Brother, that was real. I was... um I don't know how much of this I can share. The insiders. Here we go. The um, the Jimbo blowing off the production meeting was a very real thing, although they did end up doing a Zoom call later that afternoon. And um, the production crew were not the only was not the only group that was blown off by Jimbo this weekend. Apparently zero pregame interaction between Jimbo and Lane Kiffin. I mean, Jimbo and Nick Saban stood at midfield and talked in Tuscaloosa. What's fascinating about that, at least to me, is he seemingly was more Jimbo was more agitated as you mentioned with what Kiffin said versus what Saban said, but it's almost like the the, the culture around him is enabling that kind of behavior, right? What 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 is so hard from their perspective about brushing stuff like that off? You know, because there is Lane Kiffin's trolling and stuff, and it's funny. There's also some jealousy in that. Let's be honest. Lane Kiffin would love to be able to buy a bunch of five stars. He would love to be able to do that, but he can't. So he takes shots because he can't do it himself. So instead of engaging in that and and, and pouting around and and doing all that garbage that they did in the press conferences and Ross Bjork statements on Twitter and all this stuff, just ignore it. These are people that don't have or own it. One of the two. These are people that don't have the resources that you do. And they're poking you. All you have to do is ignore it. But instead, you engage and you look so weak. And sure enough, your football team's weak too. It's a cultural thing there. They can't handle being on top. And because of that, they're not. 
especially when all these trash programs in Mississippi keep beating them every year. What uh, what was the stat? I found it yesterday. So Ole Miss has Where's won... our guy? Yeah, I know, right? Ole Miss has won five of eight against Texas A&M, and Mississippi State has won five of seven and six of nine against Texas A&M. Nice. nice. Yeah. yeah. Mississippi owns Texas A&M. It does. It owns it. By right, we should get their oil money. Fact. The oil money is ours, Marky. By well, right. Well, you know, if you call the right high school football coaches, there might be some players that are available. Hey, like half a dozen people some players have available this. from college coaches. I feel like I need to mention this. Winner, NASCAR fans for Ross Chastain going full throttle against the wall around the final two turns to get into the final four. There are a lot of people that were... Dropping winner on Ross Chastain. I did not said, see that this weekend, played, but very, very good. Said he played a lot of NASCAR on the PlayStation and used that move all the time, so he decided to give it a try. Looked like he was shot out That's of a That's what cannon. I'm talking about. That's beautiful. I need more of that in the NFL for Madden. I need more of I run four verts every play, so I just decided to do it today. Or in college. Yeah. Well, you know, we got no game right now. That's next year. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and I mentioned Delta State, who's now 9-0 and and has claimed at least a share of the Gulf South Conference title. First time since 2014, and they'll win it outright with a victory this coming weekend. So thanks to all of you for joining us on the ceasefire text line. Oh, here we go. It eats at Richard's soul when someone talks crap about Ole Miss. I can, I can feel your pain. Yeah, and, and, and you like it so much when I just take it and don't fire back and don't have a little quip back No, I, No, 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 you no, are no, not you, not you, not you. Oh, about not to say. You. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I love sassy Richard, man. I love when you get hot and bothered about something and just start firing off. The, the, I'm, I'm waiting on a moo you one day. It's going to happen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drag it out of you if it's the last thing I ever do. A moo you? I'm waiting on it. It's going to happen. Yeah, it's probably get you all worked up one day. Probably not going to happen. <laughs> um, we got to get into the Ole Miss Texas A&M game. We're not going to start this as we we're do. going into a break. So we'll do some of that in the five o'clock hour. I asked you a question earlier, and I'm sure there are people that are going to be. Oh, I can't believe Richard asked that question. But I'm going to ask it anyway because I think it's a, a fair question to ask. Why is it that the last three athletics directors at Mississippi State have taken the first opportunity that presented itself to leave? Now, I think I can answer the question for Greg Byrne. Greg Byrne was always looking for what was next. He was at the point in his career where he was on an ascendancy and he needed to go multiple places to get a massive job. By the way, Greg Byrne tried to get the Big 12 commissioner's job. Get very, I don't know if I revealed that or not along the way. So maybe I did somewhere along the way. He didn't get very far on it. But he's got maybe the best job in America as the athletics director at Alabama in terms of sitting AD jobs. Greg Byrne made a strategic move to leave Mississippi State to go to Arizona so that he could get in a spot where he could make, make another move. It makes sense. But it makes less sense when you look at the last two. Scott Strickland clearly went to a job that, in terms of national stature, is above where he was. But it's a guy who 
had been a Mississippi State person for his entire life. And since he was a sophomore in college, John Cohen has been a Mississippi State person. Now he's coached at other places and he's been other places. But he stepped down as the head baseball coach to become the athletics director and now moves on. So, hey, Dad, I'll let you respond to that when we come back. But why, why do you think it is? Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. Through your question before the break, let you ponder on it just a bit. Lee did respond. He said it's not true in regard to Strickland. He had other opportunities to leave before Florida came along, and he even turned them down the first time. My my question is other jobs of a similar stature. I'm not talking about leaving to go to Kansas State or Iowa State or something like that. So, right. So the question on the table I, I asked before the break is. Why is it that, that Scott Strickland and John Cohen have left? Strickland, I understand a little bit more. That's a guy who spent his, his whole life in athletic administration, and the University of Florida is a clear and above step to Mississippi State. And for a guy who I, I know that his, his ultimate aspiration, his dream job, if you will, is commissioner of the SEC, you're probably not going there from Mississippi State, but you could go there from from a place like Florida. So we'll see. Not, not not to not to offer my thoughts on his chances of ever getting that job. That's just what I know of him. With Auburn and Cohen, it's a little more interesting because you're talking about a guy who actually played sports here at Mississippi State uh, and has has been here, you know, for a, a big part of his adult life. Um, and to me. Like when Scott Strickland was hired at Florida, Scott Strickland had the, the label of young, up and coming, ascendant athletic director, understands the, the, the nature of this business at this time. You could sell it. What are you selling John Cohen as, as Auburn? So I, I it's just, this is one that I, I scratch my head at. I understand Strickland leaving. You know, I, I don't think Mississippi State fans were overly agitated that he left, they were agitated that he plucked Dan Mullen away. But with Cohen, I, I I don't know what interested him in Auburn because I said I said earlier in the show that I don't feel like those personalities mesh really well, and I don't know what interested Auburn in him unless they just wanted a veteran athletic director who has a reputation for not taking a lot of BS, which is, might very well be what they wanted. Yeah, it's still. I think we overplay the idea of fit. Oh, that's a that's a good fit. That's a bad fit. I mean, I think if you're a winner, you win. If you're a leader, you lead. If you know you're an athletics director, you athletic direct. Um, and and maybe it doesn't matter exactly where you are, but I can't help but wonder about what was going on behind the scenes, right? I mean, were there things happening behind the scenes at Mississippi State? that caused John Cohen to want to look elsewhere? That rumor was thrown out. It has been pretty adamantly denied 
adamantly deny to the point that I wonder if it's true because it's so adamant the denials. Yeah. Sometimes you doth protest too much. Again, I go back to thinking I mean, and that... And what doth? What Borky said earlier. I love the word doth. What Borky said earlier about, I mean, Leach has not set the world on fire here at Mississippi State. If he loses on Thanksgiving night, we all know that year four is going to be get it done or get out. Bit of a and John Cohen knows if it's... Yeah, and John Cohen knows if it's get out, are they going to let him make a third hire? No. I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't. I think I saw a report I, I that Cohen I, was going to be paid a million and a half, and there were some incentives in his deal. What are the incentives? There were, Do there what were assurances we say? that he actually, yeah, the assurances that he actually gets to direct athletics as the athletic director. That needed to be in the contract. The, yeah. There are a couple just a of given. Yeah, there are a couple of takes I've seen uh, on this news, and they're they're both involving a current and a former Ole Miss coach. One, well, now he definitely can't hire Hugh Freeze. Or now, well, I'm not sure if he's going to hire Lane Kiffin. Their personalities don't match, which they don't, by the way. I think Lane Kiffin would hate working for John Cohen. I think he would. However, that implies that John Cohen's making the decision. And if you think that the Auburn power players are going to let another AD tell them no, you're out of your mind. I would be interested to know what that dynamic is, because I don't think John Cohen is taking that job. I mean, look, he, he knows Auburn, right? Grew up in the state of Alabama, played baseball at Birmingham Southern, has coached at Kentucky, has coached at Florida, has coached at Mississippi State, has been an AD at Mississippi State. He has seen, from a bit of a distance, I mean, not like living inside the city limits, he he knows Auburn. He knows what he's walking into and what he's getting into. I can't imagine that he would take a job like that without assurances from his boss, and his boss is the new president, right? I mean, we, we can make all the jokes we want to about Bobby Louder and Yellowwood and Auburn booster culture and all of those things. But ultimately, John is going to answer to his new boss, the president at Auburn, who was just instated. And I cannot imagine him taking that job without the assurance that he gets to run the department. Now, is there also talk about trying to bring together the Auburn family? Sure. You've got to try to get everybody pulling in the right direction. He doesn't need to go in and make enemies from day number one. He's got to build those relationships with people that support the department. But I, it would surprise me greatly if John Cohen is a puppet for the Auburn Boosters in this new role. That really would surprise me. You guys may say I'm naive for saying that, but it would surprise me. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back. We'll get into the Ole Miss A&M game when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon, the 31st of October. Happy Halloween. 
kind of moving toward that time where the trick-or-treaters are going to be out, and so we would encourage you, if you are in your vehicle, headed home from work or school or whatever at the end of the day, please be careful. A lot of little people out on sidewalks and streets and neighborhoods and whatever, and uh, just keep an eye out for them. You you guys got uh, trick-or-treating happening in your households this evening? or No doubt. Okay. What's no. uh what is mine, James dressed as? Mine I got a little too old. The most annoying children's character in existence, Blippy. Oh, okay. He, no. he loves him some Blippy. And I respect the heck he out of Blippy. More, he can't be more annoying than Caillou. Well, we don't know Caillou yet, so <laughs> keep it that way. So I, I'm I plan on keeping it that way. At all way. costs. No, no, Blippy's a, a a guy that's ex military. I think uh, I think Navy? Um, and if I remember correctly, he was like special forces of some kind. Anyway, he, uh, if I understand the story correctly, he had like a two-year-old niece, and there was nothing for kids that age educational. So he put on this stupid-looking hat and put on this stupid bow tie with these goofy glasses and started making videos on YouTube. And he sold that brand eventually for a billion dollars. And it's honestly, they're really well done and, and educational and, and all that. So I feel less bad because you know it's guilt-free mm-hmm. screen yeah. time for the little guy. Blippy. Never, I missed this guy. But I never he, saw him. He loves him some Blippy. Blippy got sued by a bunch of Karens because they went to go see Blippy live, and it was a different character than than the original guy, and he got sued. I hope he won, but yeah. Uh, there's a Blippi Boy, don't co- tell them about costume. the uh, frozen on ice. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it is not the original Anna and Elsa. Spoiler alert. Uh, you said your it's kids real are growing out of it? Yeah, yeah. Neither of my kids are treating. One of my kids is going to a Halloween party tonight. The other one wanted to stay home and welcome the trick-or-treaters to our house. There you go. We've got, um, let's see. I think the final decision for Francis was she was going as Belle. It was a, it was between Belle and Aurora, and one of the costumes did not arrive in a timely manner, and so Jane ordered a second costume, and then they both arrived on the same day. Uh, and so there was some choosing that had to happen there. Uh, Obi is rocking an inflatable dinosaur costume. It's one of those like where you get in and then you flip the switch and it blows up yeah. all around you. And uh, nice. Ava Montgomery, look, they're kind of doing like more of a Halloween party, but maybe a little bit of trick-or-treating mixed in. So she and a bunch of her friends decided they wanted to do something as a group, and they settled on mascots of the SEC. And so you, I, I don't know that there are 14 of them, but uh, I don't know, probably eight or ten of the mascots of the SEC. She is in a uh, a gator outfit. And she has a Florida football jersey on, nice. top of the Gator oh, yeah. outfit. So yeah, that's uh, next year. Fun. Three of us all in costume. Let's do it. No, nope. I thought about being Richard. I have. I was about to put a sport coat on and like use a napkin for a pocket square and and like put some product in my hair and stuff. And <laughs> thought about it. Yeah, yeah. That'd have been good. I, I'll send you a T-shirt, Richard, and you can be me. I'll even send you my Meat Church T-shirt. You can wear it. I know it's your favorite. Like the one that you actually wear, or one that would fit? Yeah, me? you got you got to get the big boy shirt on. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I always yeah. wanted to wear a tent. It'd be great. Hey, Jay, you set me up for that. Uh, Come on. Yeah. Uh, 
Sports yeah, Talk Mississippi coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. You can find out everything that's happening online at PearlRiverResort.com. It's time right now for the College Football Fix. Six-year-old going as Edward Scissorhands. That's a pretty good costume. College Football Fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built for tough, but don't stop there. Test drive the F-150 at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Let's talk a little bit about Ole Miss and Texas A&M. Ole Miss scored first, as they are wont to do. Is that as good a word as doth? Well, Can you make a prop bet somewhere on Ole Miss scoring first drive of the game? Because we could be rich right now. And and the, in less than two and a half minutes. The best opening drive team in America. They really, they, they've got to be. Um, seven plays, 75 yards, minute 58, mix of run and pass. I mean, gashing Texas A&M on the ground. And then an 18-yard touchdown pass to uh, Dayton Wade from Jackson Dart, his first of three. Texas A&M didn't take long to answer. Their first offensive possession, they go eight plays, 77 yards, 321, tied at seven. Followed it up with a 15-yard touchdown pass from Connor Wigman. Uh, six plays, 81 yards in sub-three minutes as well, and it was 14-7. to And at that point, there was a collective from Ole Miss fans. I thought they lost. I thought the game was was over after A and M's second touchdown drive. I thought they they are losing this game because it was too easy. Ole Miss defensively made it look too easy. And to their credit, now it wasn't perfect. If I remember correctly, they're the first team this year to give up more than twenty four points against Texas A and M. But they looked absolutely pathetic and abysmal after the the two drives, and then they settled in and. Forced punts, forced punts, got stop here, got stop there, and the game settled in, and then the offense started coming around. You know, everybody's talking about Judkins, rightfully so, but they don't win the game without defense first calming everything down and getting stops so the offense could adjust and start scoring in the second half. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but 14-7 Aggies, they get a stop near midfield. Am I right? And and for, they almost went for a fourth and didn't get it. I could be wrong. And at at that moment, I think if A and M can put together a drive and go up twenty one seven, they might have been in good shape. It's but real hard when they to couldn't score. Yeah, and once once they could when they couldn't score and they couldn't ever get it past fourteen seven, I knew they weren't going to win. Ole Miss had a stretch where after Texas A and M went kind of boom boom first couple of drives of the game, they got. Five consecutive stops of A and M's offense. All right, so that's the football game right there. Those five it, stops. That's the football a- game. Absolutely, it is. And and I thought because A and M, so Ole Miss kicks the field goal with three and a half minutes left. They keep A and M off the board, so it's a four point game at the half. And then Ole Miss stopped Texas A and M on that first drive of the second half, and I thought that was just massive. You know, to to get the stop there and not allow A and M to come out of the locker room. Really get the crowd going. I think, and, and then immediately the num- took the lead. Yeah, yeah. W- within the numbers of the game, we got to talk about something. Devon A. Shane is really, really good. At halftime, he had 17 carries 
for 124 yards. He averaged 7.3 yards per carry. He did not have a single, not one, negative rushing play. Would you be curious to know where he finished the game? Yes. 25 carries, 138 yards. It's, it's, it's embarrassing. What would Devon A. Shane do in Lane Kiffin's offense? Oh. Ooh. <laughs> what well, would he do? He would be Quinshawn yeah. Judkins. With more top-end speed. He's not as physical, yeah, but the the production would be something like that. Now it's, it'd be incredible. Ole Miss did some and, and, things not. to to give him different looks against the run, but that's no excuse. Like you say all the time, no. hey dad, just run the freaking football. Sometimes doesn't matter what looks you're getting, just do it right. with a guy like that. Ole Miss went to a pseudo four man front and had a lot of success with it. They didn't go to that exclusively, and it was more of a linebacker walking down or a bandit-type player walking down to be the fourth guy on the line of scrimmage. But it was impressive. So so we talk about what A&M did on the ground. Ole Miss ran it for 390 yards. Quinshawn Judkins, 34 carries, 205 yards, and a touchdown. Jackson Dart, 17 carries, 95 yards. Of those 17 carries... How many were designed runs? Five? They've oh, backed lot, way yeah. off of that. And all those design runs weren't great. They were they were trying to run that little QB sweep a few times, and AM kind of had that scouted. Yeah. It was when he uh it was when he scrambled that he made the big plays. Yeah, his pocket it, awareness for a young quarterback is really, really good because in this game too, his offensive line, you know, they were better than they were in Baton Rouge, but they still gave up so much pressure. But he is really good at feeling the pressure, escaping that pressure, and making plays with his legs. And at times, not taking off and running, but just eluding pressure and still delivering mm-hmm. the football. He's very good at that. A couple of throws that he were made made were on the run, rolling to the right or to the left as well. Uh, and and look, Zach Evans was big, big, big. Now clearly, he's not a hundred percent. At least I, when I say not a hundred percent, not a hundred percent to be able to go and carry it twenty times. He had eight carries for 75 yards, averaged 9.4 yards per carry. He was special in a limited role. We'll be back. Hey, guys. What happened? What the heck are you doing? Sports Talk Mississippi on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. Put the highlights up on the uh, on the video screen. If you are watching on Super Talk TV, you'll see some of those as we talk about this matchup between Ole Miss and A and M. Uh, good uniform, the all white with the uh, with the powder blue helmets. That's, that's good. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. But it, that one pops. Yeah, but to, I know Texas A and M is is down. So is that kid right there, number four? Yeah, he pops. He's special, and that's you know that's a talented defense, right? I mean, Kiffin made the joke after the game. It's you know 390 against a bunch of five stars is pretty good, um, noteworthy. But would you call this win? Regard- Nobody touches him on that run there. If you're watching on Super Talk TV, he gets the ball at like the 50. Nobody touches him until the 30. Nick Broker, SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week. Hope he celebrates with uh, some Southern Coop. How is Quinshawn Judkins, by the way, not on the SEC of the Week awards list? 
He was. He was freshman of the week. Oh, was okay. Okay, I thought yeah. I missed that. Sorry. I'm 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 just saying the better question is, how is Quinchon Judkins not a five star coming out of high school? I I want to know the if you're a person who doesn't like recruiting rankings, this is he is the poster boy. Yeah. Like this guy should have been the number one running back in the country last year. Because nobody's surprised by this, right? That's the thing. If if you listened to like oh. the, all the signing day stuff, the the Ole Miss coaches knew that this guy was stepping in and playing immediately. Think, yeah, but I don't think they knew he was going to be this. No, Lane Kiffin has admitted as much. Like they loved him, but this has exceeded all expectations. Mike sent we got us a, a text earlier, earlier that he. he yeah, yeah, that he he's the only only freshman in the SEC to have a thousand yards in nine games. It's just him and Herschel Walker. That's pretty good company for SEC running backs. Well, and then uh, so I guess you'll have Mississippi Senator Quinshaw Junkins here in about twenty years. Uh, hopefully, his campaign well, he's goes from a Alabama. Bit he smoother. might represent his home state. But yeah. I know A&M's ba- down bad, right? They are. There's no denying that. Not a particularly good football team. They were playing a true freshman, uh, all that. But in spite of that, felt like this was so a... Who isn't, though? True. But it, it did feel like, call me crazy, that this was a mature win. And here's what I mean by that. They are banged up everywhere. They're playing guys that are hurt. I mean, Casey Kelly catches a touchdown here. He can't really run that much. They barely played him because he can't, but it's not just him. It's Finley uh, didn't finish the LSU game. Cedric Johnson is hurt. Troy Brown is just just littered with injuries. Zach Evans has the, that knee issue that kept him out of the LSU game. They're banged up everywhere. And then... 100,000 people there. Credit to A&M fans, by the way, for showing up. That's pretty impressive. They get down early on the road, and offensively, they struggled in the first half after the opening possession. Really struggled. And then for, I guess, the second time this season, had a, a really good, productive offensive second half against a capable opponent. Because Troy shut him down in the second half. Tulsa did. Kentucky did. They played well against Vanderbilt and had some success against Auburn. Mature is the word that I was thinking of from a young team last night, winning that game in the manner in which they did after struggling early and being down on the road. I I think that's an altogether fair way to describe it. You go into a difficult environment and you kind of get punched in the mouth early and you, you weather it and you settle down and you make some adjustments. I mean... If you went to a message board at halftime, there was a whole lot of fire Chris Partridge, he's got to go. I, I don't know if those people watched the second half or not, but pretty good play calling on the defensive side in the second half. And, and yeah, I mean, A&M helped that as well. How about wrinkles? Jason mentioned one a few minutes ago, said that he saw something defensively that he didn't think he had seen from Ole Miss before, kind of a twist that they were running on the defensive line. How about having Jonathan Mingo put his hand on the ground and be an inline tight end? Had no other options. <laughs> Had to do Speaking it. Speaking of tight ends, as we're seeing here on Super Talk TV, big catch for that kid, Kelly, who had just had a rough go of it the previous couple weeks. Yeah. Pretty yeah. athletic catch, too, for a guy that's been banged up I like mean, he's been. I'll be honest, when I saw who the ball was going to, I was like, he's going to drop that in, in, the, in the split because he just been playing so poorly the past few weeks. Yeah. 
Hey, Ned, uh, our listeners remember everything. CC in Senatobia, he says, which of you guys said Ole Miss would not win a close game at A&M? You said Ole Miss would have been big or A&M would win. You didn't think Ole Miss would win a game that was close. I was wrong. And, and, and in fairness, Ole Miss kind of kept A&M at arm's length. Now, it was obviously a three-point win, and A&M had the ball at the end. So, by definition, close. But what's up? It, you know, it was 24-14, it was 24-21, then it was 31-21, and every time it felt like A&M had a little bit of momentum and tried to keep going, tried to get something more, whoop, Ole Miss would immediately We had answer. talked about that with, with Mississippi State against Texas A&M. I remember Borky yeah. made a, a big point about it, that, that A&M scored to make it kind of interesting. State next play is a 75-yard touchdown pass to Ra Thomas. It wasn't just one play for Ole Miss, but an A&M scores to make it 24-21, and Ole Miss goes right down the field, no stopping them, and it's touchdown. It's back to a 10-point lead. Huge. That's how you win. Connor Wigman's got a chance to be really good. A uh, very yeah, arrogant good. answer from Jimbo after the game when he was asked about it. Um by the way, here was the this get was the play that got get him some real coaching and he'll be fantastic. Mad. Yeah. So so the reason that Lane Kiffin was initially on the field was because of the pl- the flag where they called block, illegal contact downfield, but the ball was thrown at the line of scrimmage and so it wasn't a penalty. And that's why he was at the field and apparently the kid from A&M said something to him. Yeah, that's when the head coach has got to walk away, right? <laughs> Instead of engaging mm-hmm. there. <laughs> Lane Kiffin said, "Why don't you just fall down again?" You bleepity bleep with with, with a few other words. Yeah. Uh, um. This is the drive of, you're talking about right here, hey Dad. Right here, yeah. And, and yeah. it's it's aided by again. Judkins putting his team and the other team on his back for a long run. I mean, it's and that was his thirtieth. Coming up on the screen, sorry for those of you just listening, this was his 30th yeah, carry. This is why you need to watch on Super Talk TV, because we have these highlights up and you can watch along with us. Look at this run. B- broke four tackles. It's his 30th carry of the night doing that. Thought he was gone. I thought he was going to get a little more burst there, but he said 30 carries. I mean, you can only do so much. Yeah. And that was the carry that put him over 200 yards for the game, and just, just an incredible night. Um, no, I was going to say something, though. Connor Wigman... Man, he showed you something, right? Four touchdown passes, no interceptions, 338 yards. You sacked a couple of times. Clearly, Ole Miss made him way more uncomfortable in the second half. And they had a pretty good plan for getting him into the flow early in the ballgame, some easy throws, some play-action stuff, utilizing the tight end over the middle of the field. He was helped out by a great catch by Evan Stewart, that one-handed touchdown catch in the end zone. All of those things happened. I, I thought that the post game comment when Jimbo was asked about, you know, did you consider playing him sooner? And he said, uh, I, I'm paraphrasing here. I don't have the direct quote in front of me, but basically, you can lose a kid a whole lot faster than you can gain one or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the whole, he, he wasn't ready. I, I, I get that, right? But clearly, neither of the other guys that you ran out there were ready either. And so maybe, instead of being so hard-headed with your complicated offense that we hear so much about, maybe you should dumb things down a little bit and bring your freshman along. Because you don't—you didn't have another guy that could, with that kind of arm talent. Haynes King could never do some of the things that oh, Wegman did. No. 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 No question. 
There were some people that were intercept, uh, uh, were frustrated with the interception call by A.J. Finley where they overturned it. That was clearly the right call. Yeah. He went out of bounds. Yeah, he's had not yet reestablished himself as he was coming back in bounds, and so that's why the interception didn't stand. Real quick, we got going back to our Halloween discussion. If Borky dresses like Richard, is that considered cross-dressing? Hey, that's a great tweet. Great text. Great job. I laughed. Uh, and somebody ask about Trig. We'll see. Yeah, there's. He should be getting close. I mean, there's a chance that he's back for oh. Alabama. Chance. And then you got two games in, what, five days to close it out at the end of the year. Dan and Hattiesburg, it costs more to buy out Jimbo than it would cost to bring Oklahoma and Texas into the league early. Yeah. Oh, here's another. That's an unbelievable number. Another stat of the day for you. Quinshawn Judkins, as I understand it, has 13 rushing touchdowns and 14 total touchdowns. I think he caught one. That is more than Iowa football. Gosh. He caught one against Auburn. That that is more touchdowns, him, the true freshman, than Iowa, the whole team. By the way, Quinshawn Judkins, assuming he stays healthy for the final three games, is on his way to setting a single-season rushing record at Ole Miss. He is one touchdown away from tying the single-season rushing touchdown record at Ole Miss. And that was set by K.O. Dotley in the 50s, I think. It's... um. Isn't he tied with Deuce right now? I'll have to look. Sports Talk Mississippi. That sounds right. We'll be right back. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi. With you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Let's look at some numbers from the SEC quickly, and then we'll get back well, real, to the. Huh? Yes? Real quick, Richard, we did a little did research get hired during the break fired? here. No, no. But oh. we did a little research during the break on Quinchon Junkins. Uh, he needs 276 more yards to break K.O. Dotley's single season record, which has stood since 1949. Uh, impressive in, in and of itself. But with two more touchdowns, he will be, the, like you said, the all-time leading touchdown rusher in Ole Miss history, which will break a four. He'll be ahead of four guys. These are some big names here. He, the guys who are tied with 14 rushing touchdowns in a season. K.O. Dotley, Archie Manning, Deuce McAllister, Brandon Bolden. And he'll be ahead of all of them. Mm. That's wild. Deuce McAllister's in, the, in, his, career, in his what year? Oh, in, freshman in year. Freshman Deuce season. McAllister's career rushing touchdown record is 37. I mean, Judkins is probably going to end up with at least 17, 18 this year. Maybe if he has a, a good run, 19. He could break that next year. Wow. 
Because no Evans, you think? I mean, yeah, I mean Evans he, is going to the NFL, not, so. They'll, 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 they'll split the carry some way. Somebody will come in. He'll go to the portal and get another running back. Maybe Bentley. I don't know. But he's the lead dog next year, for sure. Yeah. He's the lead dog right now. <laughs> True. Yeah. Right. Break deuces I, I almost in two years. That's crazy. Did the, the best radio guy tease ever, or transition ever. You know who's not the lead dog anymore at Auburn? Brian Harson Almost did it. Would have been good. That would have been good. Would have been it would have been good. Um couple of quick numbers things and then we'll we'll get to that. So Rocket Sanders, Raheem Sanders at Arkansas leads the SEC in rushing. He's got a thousand forty one yards, is averaging hundred and thirty yards a game, has seven touchdowns. Quinchon Judkins has a thousand thirty six yards, averaging one fifteen a game, and he's got thirteen touchdowns. The next closest is Devon A. Shane. 765 yards with four touchdowns this year. Those are your top three rushers in the SEC. And you know who your fourth, number four rusher in the SEC is? Zach Evans with 680 yards and seven touchdowns on the ground. My new favorite thing is when college football media guy pretends like he's got some inside information and says, well, hey, you know, you always think about quarterback play when uh, you talk about Lane Kiffin, but guess what? They run the football well, too. It's like, yes. Thanks. For three years now. Thanks. Uh, Hendon Hooker has 25 total touchdowns this year. Will Rogers has 23. Uh, just passing, let's see, passing average. Will Rogers leading the SEC 319 yards per game through the air. Stetson Bennett is second with 293, 294 yards a game. Hendon Hooker third at 292. 21 touchdown passes for Hendon Hooker, 23 for Will Rogers. So uh, that's where we are. Jackson Dart, who got off to, I mean, obviously he's not played nearly as much. He's closing in on 2,000 yards for the year, and he's now got 14 touchdown passes. So... His numbers, even though it feels like kind of on a game-by-game basis, like, oh, he threw for 140, oh, he threw for 225, he had the big game against Vanderbilt, but his numbers are closing in on being pretty darn respectable. He's on pace for, what, 2,500 yards passing and 20 touchdowns? It's not bad. Not bad. So, we talked a lot about John Cohen, it, you know, it was like a, two schools that were attached today and all week. John Cohen resigns as athletics director at Mississippi State. Auburn fires its football coach. John Cohen is going to be named, if he hasn't officially been named already, the athletics director at Auburn. He has not. So that has not happened officially. No. It's going to happen. And, well, wouldn't that be weird if it didn't? Yeah. Oh, I mean, that would be that would be something. That would be something to behold. Um, but this all happens on the week that Mississippi State and Auburn are playing. Hey, Dad, you have long since asked for and hoped that Auburn did not fire its football coach leading into the Mississippi State game because of the trend this year of fired coaches with interim coaches winning the next game. Winning their games, Auburn, yeah. Auburn fired four assistants also. For whatever that means. Yeah. 
more room on the bus to, to move around. Yeah. <laughs> Spread out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. The inevitable has happened, though. And I was texting with some friends earlier today because they get really frustrated when all of the hot boards come out and the first name on every single one is Lane Kiffin. On every single one, he's the first name. Yeah. And my response is twofold. Number one, Auburn would be really stupid to not try. Look at what he's doing at Ole Miss. He's recruiting well. They've got an edge. They've got a brand. And they're winning a lot of football games. You would be stupid not to try. And also these people making these hot boards would be stupid not to include him. Because I think Auburn's going to try. So you either have to ignore it as best you can until a decision is made one way or the other. Possibly until Auburn Auburns it up because they tend to do that also. (laughs) Or like mute some words on Twitter or something. Because it's not going away. Until Auburn makes a hire, you're going to see Lane Kiffin's name every single day. Paul Feinbaum's going to talk about it. They're going to talk about it on the SEC Network. When College Game Day comes to Oxford in two weeks, they're going to talk about it there. You're going to have to live with it because it's going to be talked about ad nauseum until Auburn makes a hire, whether or not it's him. You just got to get used to it. And if any other jobs... Mississippi State went through it, Ole Miss can go through it. Yeah, if, if any other jobs of significant stature open up, then his name's going to be at the top of that list as well. Why wouldn't he be? I think he's the best play caller in college football. Yeah, I said that. Say what? Just, just I said that the other day. I've been saying that for three years. I feel like you're just stealing from me all day here. I have said for years now, Lane Kiffin is the best play caller in college football, and Steve Sarkeesian is the second best play caller in college football. Come down to my house, steal some of the pulled pork I made. That's, I guess that's what's next. Mm. Steal your lights. I need the. Oh, wait. I don't have any lights. Yes, I'm aware. I am aware. Um, so where does Auburn go? You steal two of your suit jackets, sew them together, and wear it. <laughs> Four arms. Well, I'll get that altered. Okay. Where does Auburn go? Um, I would make a handful of phone calls. Because it's funny, some of these people that write these hot boards like think that it's Auburn's going to try for this coach. And when this coach says no or yes, they hire him. If no, they go to the next one. It's not how it works. If I'm John Cohen and, and the booster's there, I'm calling Lane Kiffin. Sorry, I am. And I'm trying really hard to get him. I'm calling that rule. Absolutely you are. No doubt. I I am trying my hardest to get Lane Kiffin to be my next head coach. I am. I'm also calling that rule. Lane Kiffin will listen. Yeah. Or his his representation will listen. Why wouldn't you? And they'll talk dollars, and it will force Keith Carter to up the ante to try and keep him at Ole Miss, which was already going to happen. Yeah. No doubt. Question is, how high? That's a tough answer for Keith Carter. How high will Ole Miss go? How high is Ole Miss willing to go? How high is Ole Miss able to go? Yeah. I do I do chuckle at the idea of the John Cohen Hugh Freeze relationship. I it, it makes it brings a smile to my face. So try to picture those uh, two right, coexisting. So, so, so Borky, finish finish th- that thought. I mean, right, so if you're Kiffin, John Cohen, you're rule. building a list and you're talking to a bunch of people. Kiffin rule. I do talk to Hugh Freeze and kick the tires, but I'm not sure, but I I do it. 
And then if I get said no to by those three, I start talking to Jamie Chadwell and Dave Clawson. You don't think Cohen will go after Leach? Zero percent chance. You don't you don't think? It's been such a great formula. It's funny you say that. I had a message from a friend earlier today that said, John Cohen thinks anything about Mike Leach as a coach. You'll have him on the short list at Auburn. Well, we're going to find out what John Cohen actually thinks about Mike Leach. Mm. Auburn officially announced Cohen just now, by the way. Oh, did it? Oh, yeah. there it is. Hey, so the four is he an staff orange members? on the tweet? Got to see it. The the fourth uh, the four no. staff members that fired were all the staff members that had ties to Boise State. So the guys that that came with Larson. Yeah, the picture of Cohen includes his national championship ring. Good good job as athletic director plays such a huge role in getting that job. Oh, he hired him. I guess. Regardless of where he was on the list of. Wanting to hire him, he hired him. Does, does Pete Boone get one for hiring Bianco? Is that who hired him? I don't even know. Warner Alford? I can't tell you. John Schaefer. Ooh! We'll be back. Okay, what we do next? Keep it moving, buddy! You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888 8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. So all of the conversation is about football, and obviously that's what matters the most at a place like Auburn. But there was a time when Auburn was singularly a football school and nothing else mattered. That's not true anymore. Basketball at Auburn has become a really, really, really big deal. And he inherits a mercurial head coach in basketball that is beloved and untouchable in Bruce Pearl. Yeah. He inherits a baseball coach that worked under him previously in Butch Thompson. That's some familiarity there, yeah. He inherits a women's basketball coach who he chose not to hire. That's the awkward one. That's the awkward one. Yeah, not that women's basketball matters that much to Auburn. The, 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 fir- the first time he has a meeting with Johnny Harris, yeah. if John's doing it right, he he goes, Johnny, it's good to see you. But uh, just hold on a second. I screwed that up. I should have hired you. I didn't hire you. I'm glad I'm not making that mistake again. Right? You you just just lay that out there right out of the gate, and be done with it. If- if we live in a world where Greg Byrne and Sly Kroom can stand on the field together, anything is possible. Yeah, it's it's probably a good point. Um, yeah, among the quotes in the press release, there was not one from Johnny Harrison there. 
about <laughs> about what a, a great leader. Yeah. Um, just kind of wrapping up the and, and look. I mean, this is a conversation that's going to go on a lot for probably weeks uh, until the end of the season about the direction that Auburn goes now that they have officially fired Brian Harson and they have officially hired John Cohen. So we got two things that we're watching closely right now. One, what's the direction that Auburn goes in football? And I think that's a conversation that's going to be relevant to this state because as Michael Borky very clearly laid out, whether he's going or not, who knows. Lane Kiffin's name will be mentioned prominently in this. Unless, and it's not his style to do it, Lane Kiffin comes out himself and says, guys, gals, I am not going to Auburn. I am not a candidate for that job. I will not entertain a conversation with them. I'm not looking to leave. I mean, come on. I would be shocked. Because in similar news, let's go outside and watch all the fairies flying around this evening yeah. in the sky that are real. I mean, he's not going to say that. It's not how he operates. And, and like I've had people say to me, well, why does he need any more leverage? He has all the leverage over Keith Carter right now. Not all of it. Because if he goes ahead and dismisses the Auburn job, not another one's going to come open that he's going to go to, I don't think. Based on the coaches on the hot seat and where they are, is there a job better than Auburn and Ole Miss that, that's going to come open? No. So, it, with his agent being Jimmy Sexton, and it's not just money that he's going to want. There's a collective that is growing and organized, but they want more money. Why? Because they want to get better players. It's not just contract that, that he wants leverage over. It's, you need to invest more here. You need to give me this. You need to give my assistants this. It's not just, I need $11.5 because Auburn's giving me eleven. It's more than that. You don't give that up. It would be very bad business for him to give that up. Yeah. And it sucks because you're going to have to deal with it for the next few weeks. It doesn't bother Lane. Not one bit. He 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 doesn't doesn't mind that. So, you know, we'll see. There's some pine box jokes that are uh, mixed in here on the ceasefire text line. Trent says, "Don't let the door hit you on the way out." Good riddance, John Cohen. Hey, and what did so why why were the why was the reaction so mixed as it pertains to Cohen? Some people love because him. there are a lot of people, and some people there didn't. are a lot of people who never thought he should have had the job. That Mississippi State didn't need to be hiring a baseball coach to be the athletic director in the year of our Lord 2016. It's not 1985. You don't just promote coaches to be athletic directors. Did he do a good job? Who have familiarity with? Him. What would you grade him? His record uh. as hiring is not great. Uh, not a whole lot of. I mean, I wouldn't. What, is there anything sp- I would spectacular give him a B about minus. his? All right then, a B minus athletic director is who Auburn just hired. I mean, maybe maybe a B. B minus is probably close to the truth. Okay. Thanks for being with us. Fun Monday edition of Sports Talk Mississippi. Tomorrow we'll go through what else happened in the SEC. Got some guests that are going to be joining us as well. A lot coming up. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Good night.
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.